Welcome to Southside Presbyterian Church. The following sermon was taken from our Sunday gathering. If you'd like to find out more, or if we can help you on your journey in faith, head to our website, www.southsidepc.org, or visit us any Sunday morning at 9am. This is Luke chapter 10, this verses 1 to 4. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go! I am sending you out like lambs amongst wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. Thank you, Rosie. Um, yeah, so awesome to hear about Fun and Adventure. And uh, the thing that Rosie didn't share was uh, eight teenagers became Christians this week at Fun and Adventure, which is awesome. Let's celebrate that. All right, I'm going to pray again, and then we're going to look at this passage. So let's, let's do that. Um, Heavenly Father, we do pray now that as we come before your word, um, we pray that you would speak to us, and Lord, that you would give us um, hearts to hear and understand. We pray, Lord, that you would shape us and change us now, and, uh, and God, the things that have been consuming us, the things that we've been carrying in our weeks, we pray that right now we would be able to come before you and hear your word and be transformed and changed because of that. Um, so be among us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What do people say to you when you tell them what you do for work or what you do during the week? What do people say? Because for me, the most common response when I tell people that I work for a church is this, why do you do that? It's the most common response. We get this all the time. Um, in fact, uh, I've been doing this now for full-time and 14 years, and the consistency in that has always been there, and we've got to be prepared at any point for this. In fact, uh, a few weeks ago was kind of one of the moments we weren't really prepared for. Uh, we uh, had just had our second child. We were in hospital. Elizabeth was recovering from surgery. Uh, the nurses were coming in. It was a full-on experience. And then, you know, the nurses get into a bit of chit-chat, uh, as you do. And uh, they said to Elizabeth, my wife, oh, what does your husband do for work? And she said, he's a pastor, works for a church. And she said, why does he do that? At any time, any place, we have to be prepared that someone is going to ask that question of us. Now, I'm actually not complaining about this. I quite like the fact that we get an opportunity to get to faith quickly. Uh, often, it's nice. Sometimes it is a little bit too quickly, but it's nice to speak about Jesus. It's also nice to ask people what they think about Jesus or their church experience. But, but one thing in the middle of this I find interesting is that I think increasingly so, more people are asking the question when it comes to doing anything for church, why would you do that? Whether it's working for a church or serving at a church or simply attending church like we are this morning, growingly there's this sense that people are wondering, why is it that you actually do what you do? 
And so this morning, what we want to do is we want to just think about this for a moment. Because we've we got to know the answer to that question. We have to have an answer to that question. And this morning, as we open up God's Word, in chapter 10 of Luke, what we see is Jesus gives us an answer to this question. Okay, And what we're going to find is we're going to find one big sentence. Okay, So kids, if you've got worksheets there, or if you're someone that likes structure, we're going to have one big sentence with three parts in it. Okay, So there's... There's your three points. But we're going to ask this question, why do we do what we do? And we open it up in Luke chapter 10. We pick it up in verse 1. And we're going to see the first part of this sentence. It's because God calls us to. So let's have a look. You notice this from verse 1. It says this, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So why do we do what we do? Why would we gather in a church? Why would we speak about Jesus or serve Jesus? Well, the first thing that we see here is because God calls us to, right? You get, you get the sense here from verse 1 and 2, you get the sense here that this is all God's idea, right? Like it begins with God. He is the one who appoints. He's the one who sends. He says, pray to the Lord of the harvest for workers. It's his workers. It's his harvest. Whatever the harvest is, whatever the work is, it begins with God. Right? You notice that there. God is the one who begins with this. It's his idea. This is not our idea. This is God's idea. This is not the 72's idea or the 12's idea. This begins with God. So whatever the work is, it begins with God. So what is the work? Well, the work's got something to do with the harvest. Now, if you have your Bibles there, and we'll kind of flesh this out as we go forward, but you do see this from verse 4 to 20. The work is to go and speak about Jesus and if people accept that, to stay with them to help, help them understand that. Right? that. That's kind of the summary of what happens from verse 4 to 20. And so you could say it like this, the work, God's work in the world is to tell people about Jesus and to help them grow in their understanding of Jesus. This is consistent with the whole New Testament, uh, that, that the work of the church is to make and grow disciples. Right? That, that's basically the summary of what happens from verse 4 to 20. And, and that's what we're on about as a church. You know, if you've been here at Southside for a little while, we've talked about how our vision is to reach 1% of our community. But whenever we speak about that, we attach the line, we are here to make and grow disciples. That's what we're on about as a church. We exist to make disciples, to tell people about Jesus, and to grow disciples, to help them grasp what that is. And, and we do that because this is Jesus' idea. Right? This is God's idea. It begins with God. It's, it's God's work and God's harvest, and it starts with God. Okay, so, so we've got to start there. We've got to recognize that. Um, because if, you know, particularly if at Southside you've been here for a little while and you think, man, they really do bang on about making and growing disciples. And at different seasons, you know, you might feel different things, right? Like some, some of us might feel like, oh, they're talking about mission too much, or they're talking about growth groups and growing too much. Just want to point this out. When it comes to making and growing disciples, this is not our idea. It's not like we came up with this idea that this is what the church should do. This starts with Jesus. This is God's idea, God's work. He appoints people to do this. This starts with God, God's idea. Now, now when we're thinking about why would we do what we do, right? When we think about why would we serve Jesus, why would we speak about Jesus, the fact that it begins with God should actually be enough. Right? Like it actually should be enough. If God, if we believe that there is a God, you know, like if, if you believe there's, a, there's an all-knowing, all-powerful God who made you and created everything, the fact that he says to do something, that should actually be enough. Like logically, that is enough. 
I mean, you think about it in, in a, you know, a day-to-day sense. Um, if someone you respect and trust in your life asks you to do something, we often actually do that. You know, I think we get how this plays out in relationships day-to-day. But let's think about this with God. Right? Like, if, if God was to rock up this morning, and there is a sense that God is among us, but, but if we were to sense God's glory this morning, right? Like, I don't know, use your imagination here. Let's picture this. If God rocked up here this morning, you know, the God who made everything, right? The God who made the, the world in a word, the God who made the vastness of the stars, the God that made the deep, the depths of the sea, the creatures big and small, the God who raised Christ from the dead, the God who, if, if you've noticed this in the Bible, when people sense God's glory, do you know what happens? They fall face down on their face, right? They fall flat on the ground. If this God rocked up this morning, and you sensed his glory, what would you do? Like, I, I think we'd probably fall face down on the ground. I, I think we'd get a sense of the maker, the creator, and sense that we are created and we fall flat on our face. We'd be humbled by that. But do you know what else we would do if we saw God this morning? We'd listen to him. We'd do what he says. It makes sense. If there's a creator, creation listens to that creator. Now, now do you see what's confronting here in this passage? This is what God says. You know, like here at Southside, we say the Bible is God's word. We, we believe that in our heart, that this is God speaking to us. Yet sometimes when, when we say God says stuff or when the Bible says it, we just let it slide past us. But we have to recognize if God is calling us to do something, that is actually enough. And here in this passage, he is calling his disciples to go and make and grow disciples. And for them, it's enough. So as we begin thinking about why would we do anything for God, right? Why did we rock up this morning? Why are we speaking about Jesus? Why would we serve Jesus? Why would we do anything? We've got to start with the fact that it begins with God. God calls us to this. But as we keep going, what we see is this is not the only reason why we would do anything, right? Yes, it begins with God, and yes, that would be enough. But as we keep reading, what we see is that, that actually, or as we keep exploring this, we see there's more to it. And there's more to it when we begin to explore this idea of the harvest field, okay? So in that verse there, it says the harvest is plentiful, right? Now, this is interesting, I think, when you think about it. So what Jesus is saying here is essentially the world is the harvest. He's using a, a metaphor, an image, saying the world is the harvest. And, um, and, and when we tell people about Jesus and they come to faith, that's, a, that's, that's an abundant harvest. So he's describing the world as, a, as an abundant harvest. It's plentiful. Now, the reason I think this is interesting is because I'm not sure if that's how we think about our world. So think about the communities where you exist. Think about your workplace, your neighborhood. Think about anywhere, like in your life, where there are people who don't yet know Jesus. Okay, have you got that picture in your head? Is it your school? Is it the team you play sport in? You know, who is it in your life that that doesn't know Jesus? Maybe it's your family or your friends. Okay, now now we've got those people in our mind how would we describe how likely they are to come to faith? Do you know what I mean? Like, would we describe it as an abundant harvest or would we describe it as like a, a barren wasteland? Right? Like, I mean, think about it. If, if barren wasteland is one and abundant harvest is ten, where are your communities? How do you think about them? See, for me, I think I'm a three. Right, like I think of my street not as an abundant harvest. I think about that as almost drawing water out of a rock. 
Like that, that, that's how it feels to me. I think we think about our communities and the places we exist sometimes as barren. Now, why do we think like that? Is it, is it because of the media? You know, the media, like anti-Christian narrative that's out there? I think maybe. You know, maybe it's that we're believing Satan's lie. I think that's a part of it. I think some of us have bad experiences sometimes. And so when you put all that together, we think of the communities that we exist, we think about them as barren. But, but what would change if we actually viewed the places around us as an abundant harvest? Right? Like, what if you went to work tomorrow thinking about the places you go to, the people you see, as prime opportunity to see Jesus? What if we saw our street like that? our teams that we play in like that, the schools that we go to like that. If we could actually have this attitude, it would change things. It would. It would transform us if we had the attitude that it's an abundant harvest, which is actually where Jesus goes. So he says the abundant, that the harvest is plentiful. So pray to the Lord of the harvest. So there's a sense here, right? It's God's harvest, God's workers, God answers the prayer. But then let's look at what happens next. He says this, ver- this word in verse 3. And it's one word, it's an action word, it's the word go. Right, so, so you get the sense there, since it's God's idea, since it's God's harvest, now go. Now don't you love how simple that is? You know, like the, the word go there, it, it is interesting, if you were to do a word study on the word go, if you were to look it up in the Greek, it simply means go. Right, there's no other way that you can actually, like, like you can't look at where go appears in the Bible and find that it actually means stay. It always means go. It's really simple, and the NIV has dumbed it down for us because it, it really means now go. It's two words, but the NIV has just put it simply for us, go, with an exclamation mark. And I love how simple it is because it, it's kind of this idea, right? If the harvest is plentiful and if God calls you to it, then what makes sense is that you actually go towards it. Go. So so when we consider the second part of why we would do what we do, we we do what we do because God calls us to go and make and grow disciples. We see that the harvest is abundant uh, abundant, and we go towards it. Now, um, I I do think we've got to dig deeper into this analogy, this imagery that Jesus uses because we're not in an agricultural society. We don't often think like that. But of course, Jesus was in an agricultural society and this is why he uses harvest as the image. So, so let's think about this, because there's some other stuff attached to this idea, okay? Harvest, plentiful, and go. Um, so it's kind of like this. Twelve months ago, uh, we discovered in our family that you can go strawberry picking. So if you didn't know that, it's a thing you can do. And uh, we discovered it. So here's a picture of us on the Sunshine Coast going strawberry picking with our daughter Poppy. And look at those strawberries. We did good. Um, I think we, we, you pay like 10 bucks, you get a bucket, you fill up that bucket, Um, If you've got little kids, it's fun too because they just eat as much strawberries as they can along the way and everyone wins. It's it's fun. It's good if you've got kids. It's it's also good if you're looking to go on a date with someone. There you go. That's also a good thing to do. So what you do, so strawberry picking, if you didn't know this, so strawberry season is August to November, I'm pretty sure. And so the only time you can go strawberry picking is in season. Um, You rock up at a strawberry farm and it actually feels like this picture, the next picture, if you have a look at that, it actually feels like when you rock up that that's what you see. You know, it is a farmland with strawberries absolutely everywhere. And, And you rock up there and you go and you go and pay your money. They give you the bucket and then they say go. Okay. 
Now, we learned some things about agriculture, okay? So I, I know you weren't thinking you were going to get that lesson this morning, but here it is. Here's what we learned as we went strawberry uh, picking, and, you know, for the first time in my life, I got my hands dirty. So um, here it is, three things that we learned. Number one, um, the first thing that we learned is if you think that the fields are barren, you don't go. Now, that's really obvious, isn't it? But people don't, work, like workers don't go and pick fruit when there's no fruit on the trees. Your attitude of the fruitfulness of the harvest affects your action. There's a direct correlation between what you think and what you do. If you think there's fruit, then, then that moves you. Workers don't work a barren wasteland. Okay, so that, that was the first thing that we learned. The second one is this. If you get a bad plant, you can't let that stop you. Okay, so, so strawberries are fickle things, um, and you know, strawberries are often, if you, if you go there, um, you might look under the first plant and you know, it's moldy or it's overripe or underripe or birds have been at it or whatever. But you can't get to that first plant and it's bad and let that stop you from the rest of the harvest. Do you know what I mean? Like if you did that, you would miss the harvest. You go to the first plant and you see that it's dodgy, and so, but then you look up and you see that there's all sorts of other harvests, and so you keep going. You can't let a bad plant stop you from continuing in the harvest. That, that was the second thing that we learned. And then the third thing, again, this is super obvious, but when, when you pay your money and they give you the bucket and they say go, if you don't go, you don't get any fruit. Right? Like, I, I know this is crazy, but if you don't go towards the, the strawberry plants, you don't get any strawberries. Now, I think when Jesus is using this language in an agricultural environment where people understood this type of thing, I think he's drawing on this kind of idea. And, and you think about it, right? That he says the harvest is plentiful. It's not barren. But, but when you think about it, your attitude towards your communities affects what you do. Directly, there's a direct impact. And so we've got to think that our attitude needs to be the harvest is plentiful. Number two, we can't let a bad plant stop us. And, and what we mean by that is like we might not get fruit in every conversation that we have. In fact, Jesus speaks about this. He says, um, you will go to places where they reject you. Well, and we'll see that later on in the, in the verses there that follows. He says, some people will reject you, but when that happens, just go to the next town. We can't let a bad plant stop us. There's a sense in which we need eyes to see the spiritual harvest. Do you know what I mean? Like if we could look out to our community and see that the harvest was abundant, we would go towards it. But then the third thing, the biggest thing of this, is, is when we grasp that God's calling us to it and the harvest is plentiful, then we will go. We will do that. Verse 3, we will actually go because we recognize if we don't go, there's no fruit to be had. We're not going to fill up the spiritual buckets, right? We're not going to be able to make and grow disciples if we don't actually go towards people. And so you get this sense here. Since it's God's idea and God's world and God's harvest and God's answering the prayer, since it's God's, now God calls us to go and make and grow disciples. Easy. Right? That makes sense. But is it easy? It's not always easy. Sometimes it's a struggle. Sometimes it's hard. So, so why is that? Why is it hard? Why is it not always easy if that makes so much sense? Well, it's interesting. Jesus actually speaks to this, and um, it's fascinating because if you were to stop here and think about what the next line is, what would you think is coming? 
you know, like it's God's harvest, God's idea, God's world, God's fruit. It's plentiful, abundant harvest. I, I'm almost expecting that the words that follow go are, it's going to be awesome, right? People will love you and, you know, you'll make so many followers of Jesus and it's going to be the best thing ever. But Jesus is a little bit more real than that. And, and let's see what he says after that. So verse 3, he says, Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Now, I'm not sure that's what I was expecting. It, I mean, it, you know, we know how that plays out. Lambs and wolves, they don't play together. This is pain and death, and it brings problems. And on the one hand, I really love that Jesus says this because it's very real. And it does speak to the experience sometimes that we have of speaking about Jesus. Sometimes when you speak about Jesus, it does feel like that. Not all the time. In fact, my experience has been, um, this is rare, but it does happen. Sometimes when you speak about Jesus, it does feel like you've been torn to pieces and shredded up. Sometimes it speaks about the uh, work in the harvest. Sometimes it does feel like in the harvest, you're a lamb among wolves. I mean, many of us sitting here this morning, uh, our deepest scars have come from serving in the harvest. So I am grateful that Jesus says this, but I think this raises a problem. And the problem is this, if, if it's God's harvest, yes, God calls us to, the harvest is plentiful, he calls us to go, but if this is what's on the line, do we really want to do it? Do we really want to be lambs among wolves? Because that screams pain and problems and difficulty. And, and why would we go and do that? Why would we speak about Jesus or serve Jesus if this is what's on the line? Well, this is why we need the next few verses. Because what's, what, what Jesus is going to say is, yes, this is the reality, but he gives us the reason why we would do this. And it's where we get the last part of the sentence. It's because heaven and hell are real. Now, we see this. See, he sends them out. And then we get this sense. So firstly, we get this sense that when they go, they're going to be rejected. But Jesus says in verse 12, I tell you, be more bearable on the day of Sodom than for that town. He speaks about them going down to Hades. And there's this sense that if you reject Jesus, then you will get rejection from Jesus. The result of living a life in ignorance of Jesus is eternal separation from Jesus. It's hell. However, that's not the only outcome because he also says, well, those who accept Jesus, their names are written in heaven. For those who accept Jesus and believe in Jesus and speak about Jesus and serve Jesus, well, in verse 20, he says, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. There's this sense that the eternal realities are what are going to drive you to go and speak about Jesus and serve Jesus. It's because heaven and hell are real. This is why we do what we do. It's because we grasp that the eternal gain is worth the temporary pain. It's because we grasp that what we're doing here is actually a matter of life and death. And when we grasp that, again, I think this is the only logical thing that makes sense, that we go towards people. You know, again, we see this around us um, in our world. It is. It felt like it was fire season, right, this week. I, I don't know, every day driving home, it felt like the haze was in the air. And that just triggers in my mind thinking about the fire season of a few years ago where it felt like our whole country was on fire. Um, but one thing that we love uh, when we look around at our world is we love our emergency services and particularly our firefighters who, when they hear the danger, go towards it. 
You know, last week there was a uh, petrol station that caught fire in Sydney. And uh, it caught fire and the fireys went towards it to save the people around them. The risk of pain was worth, was worth going towards it for the sake of saving people. It was a matter of life and death. But imagine for a moment that the, you know, the, the petrol station catches on fire and you ring up the firefighters and you tell them the situation and their response in that moment after hearing that the, the place is burning down, they respond by saying, you know what, we just can't actually be bothered. Or like they say, you know what, um, it's, it's quite hot right now. At five o'clock when it cools down, we'll come and we'll help you out. You know, we, like, we love firefighters because they see the risk and they go towards it. They see the danger and they move towards it because they know that it's a matter of life and death. We love this when we see this around us. But you see, if we love this when we see this around us, of course, our affections must be stirred when we think about Jesus because this is exactly what Jesus did, right? Like Jesus, the whole reason he came into the world was because he understood that it was a matter of life and death. And Jesus is often described as the Lamb of God who came into the world to save sinners from death. And literally what happened, the Lamb of God was handed over to the wolves. He went, he went through the teeth of death. And it wasn't just a risk, right? Like it wasn't like Jesus thought and it was a 50-50 split, would he die or not? Jesus knew what was going to happen and yet he did that for the sake of saving people. Jesus knew what was happening and he went towards it. It was a matter of life and death. This is why he came into the world. And we love it when we see it in fireys. We love it when we see it in Jesus. He was the lamb that went among the wolves. And, and in Jesus now, we begin to understand how heaven and hell can be a reality, how heaven can be a reality. When people put their trust in Jesus, they can be saved from an eternal separation from God and know Him. And, and when we see this truth, when we see this reality of Jesus in heaven and hell, we, we begin to understand why we would do what we would do, why we would speak about Jesus and serve Jesus, why we would be lambs among the wolves. It's because we know what's on the line. It's because we know that heaven and hell are real and that Jesus offered us life. So here it is. Why would you speak about Jesus? Why would you serve Jesus? It's because God calls us to go and make and grow disciples because heaven and hell are real. Now, let's, let's think about this this morning. Let's go one more step this morning and think about what this means for us. How does this play out as we think about this truth and applying this truth for us today? Well, I, I think as we think about this, and uh, as, as this truth goes into our heart, I think there's two things for us this morning that this does for us. Number one, the first thing this truth does for us is for those of us who are workers in the harvest. Okay, so uh, this is for those of us who are here this morning who have been serving in some capacity or speaking about Jesus in some capacity. I think what this passage does for us is it gives us a deep encouragement to persevere. You know, there, there is a deep encouragement to us to remember why we do what we do. You know, sometimes speaking about Jesus, sometimes serving Jesus can be really hard. Sometimes you can be at it for a long time. You can be worn out and tired and weary. You can feel like, at, you, at times you can feel like you've been worked to the bone. And, and sometimes when you are doing this, sometimes you can forget why you're doing this. And so this morning, this passage gives us a deep, deep soul encouragement to persevere. Because when we speak about Jesus, when we serve Jesus, we're responding to the living God who made all things. 
We are going and making and growing disciples because heaven and hell are real. These are the things that drive us. And so this morning, we must feel this. And we want to encourage you in the middle of this, if you are a worker among the harvest, remember why you do what you do. You know, you know if you are serving here at Southside, you are not doing me a favor. You're not doing anyone a favor. You are serving the living God because heaven and hell are real. Let this stir you and encourage you and, and give you a perseverance to keep going. That's the first thing. The second thing, though, is an encouragement to those of us who maybe aren't yet workers of the harvest. Now, I know that among us, I know that there are lots of people who don't serve here at church or, or aren't speaking about Jesus. Now, this morning, it might be because you're new. It might be because, like Sue was speaking before, there's a season of your life that you're not in. It might be because of us, right? Sometimes our organization is just not good enough. And I want to own that this morning as well, to recognize that sometimes people want to serve and they don't know who to talk to or they talk to me and I don't get back to them or whatever. So I want to own that as well. But this morning, it's not actually about finger pointing or trying to figure out, you know, what's the excuse or whatever. I actually think that when we grasp this sentence, what this passage does for us is it just gives us an opportunity. It just gives us a chance to, to either start or start again. And, and this is not a motivation out of guilt. This is a motivation from grace because God is doing work among us in our do. We can go into our world and speak about Jesus. We can, we can go into our communities again thinking the harvest is plentiful, trying to change our attitude to what's going on around us. We can invite people to Alpha and all that sort of stuff. But this morning, what we really want to focus on is actually the serving aspect of it. Now, now, I know that when it comes to serving, let's just think about this for a moment. Um, I know that when we think about serving, I know that what can happen is in a church like ours, you can rock up to a church like ours and you can look around and think, because the teams do such a great job, you can think that we don't need any more people to serve. And I think our teams do such a great job. I do think that. Um, I thank God for the people who serve here at Southside. But on behalf of every single team at church, and we have 30 of our teams, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. And if you had a team leader next to you, they, they said yes and amen to that truth. The, the reality is there's actually not one single team at church that couldn't do with more people. And some of them could have done with like 20 people yesterday. That's just true of what happens. You know, we, as a church, like, we get to this point where we keep growing and then all of a sudden the harvest becomes more plentiful, right? Like, have you seen the kids running around at church? It, it, it's just more people come and then there's more stuff to do. There's, there's all that sort of stuff. And so I, I want to give you that deep encouragement. If you're sitting there thinking this church has it all under and there's no place for me, there is a place for you. And, and, and what we need to do is we just need to have a conversation around that. So if this morning, if you're looking at this and you're thinking, you know what, maybe there's an opportunity here, what we wanted to do is we just wanted to give you an opportunity to initiate a conversation with that. So on the QR code, uh, on the service sheet, there, there is a QR code to let us know. It's that middle one, the three boxes down the bottom. There's a middle one there. That's going to take you to a Google form that's basically going to say, hey, I just want to have a conversation, right? You're not signing up for anything this morning. It's just initiating a conversation around doing that. But what we're going to do right now as we wrap this up, what we're going to do is we're going to give you an opportunity if you want to do that, to do that. So I'm gonna, we're going to do what we normally do, right? I'm going to pray in a moment and we're going to sing. But before we pray, we're going to have this moment as a church where we're just going to take a minute.
Okay, and if you're here this morning, and if you're a worker of the harvest, and you think, you know, I'm at my capacity, all that sort of stuff, or the season, whatever, um, then this minute, I'm going to ask, would you take that minute to pray? Would you spend a moment to pray? Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Pray for more workers of the harvest. Pray that God would refresh your soul with the good news of what we've seen this morning. Pray that he would remind you of why you do what you do. Spend this moment praying. But if you're thinking, if you're sitting here this morning and you think, you know what, I want to be a part of this, would you take this moment, get your phone out, go to that QR code and let us know. And in the next few weeks, we'll try and initiate a conversation with you around that. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. I'm going to give us a minute. I'm going to pray internally here and then I'll pray to close and then we'll sing after that. So we're going to have a minute now to pray or respond individually. Let's do that. Heavenly Father, um, we come before you this morning and we thank you, God, that you are the living God, the maker of all things. We thank you that you invite us to what you're doing in this world. We pray, Lord, that this morning um, you would refresh us and encourage us to the depths of who we are. We pray, Lord, that if uh, we've been serving and speaking about you if we feel our experience feels like we are have been lambs among the wolves we pray lord that this morning you would encourage us that you would see us that you would spur us on and help us to continue to respond to all that you are and all that you've done for us lord we pray that jesus the lamb who went to the wolves we pray that that truth would be something that that encourages us to the depths of who we are and we pray lord that you would continue to enable us to keep going we pray too lord that this morning you would raise up workers for the harvest we pray that you would put in us a deep desire to be a part of what you're doing here in this world so that we can respond to the living god who calls us to go and make and grow disciples because heaven and hell are real lord we know that this stuff really matters we pray that you would help us understand to the depths of who we are that this stuff really matters Give us this grace, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.